Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Friday, July 17th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Bertitas, brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Philadelphia Flyers, only Penn Orthopedics has the reputation, the ingenuity, and the expertise to offer the region's widest array of treatments in every orthopedic specialty, all in a safe and secure environment. The Penn Orthopedics team, they create the ideal care plan with options fueled by our own world-renowned research. Doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. We're going to talk to Bill Meltzer in just a couple minutes here on this episode of Flyers Daily. A lot to get into, including the fact that Oscar Lindblom was named a finalist for the Masterton Trophy, along with Bobby Ryan, uh, South Jersey's own Bobby Ryan. And uh, there's no winners and losers when it comes to the Masterton. Uh, Bobby Ryan, a great story as well, all that he has overcome uh, in his NHL career and his life, and certainly what Oscar has overcome in his treatments for Ewing sarcoma cancer completing uh, just a couple of weeks back. So we'll talk about uh, that with Bill Meltzer and a lot more, including camp observations. And before we get to any of that, uh, Flyers were not on the ice yesterday for practice. They are back on today, and they'll have scrimmages coming up uh, tomorrow on Saturday. Wednesday after practice, Michael Raffle had the chance to address the media about getting back on the ice and the return to play. I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, uh, the agreement, both for the return to play and the new CBA. Um, you know, watching it from, a, you know, I guess watching it from a distance or keeping up with it, whatever um, the case was for you. What did you think of uh, particularly the agreement with the CBA getting that extended? I think it was a fair deal for, for both sides. And uh, you saw how many players voted uh, for it. So it's it's almost 80%. So I think it was a good deal for us. Hey, Michael, thanks for doing this. Um, Vigneault was named uh, uh, Jack Adams Award finalist today. So I'm just wondering how he uh, impacted you this season and just what were your initial impressions of him so far? I don't know. I think you can tell with AV that, that he has been successful over his career. He brings a... Uh, uh, he brought a lot of new new excitement to this group and and believed in us from day one, wanted us to be winners. And I think uh, over the course of last season, you could tell that uh, a lot of players improved under his coaching and especially the team got way better. Hey, Michael. Um, you guys enter the playoffs, if not one of the favorites, generally accepted to be a legitimate contender to win it all. You've been with this team for a while. You've gone through years where you guys didn't make the playoffs, years where you guys were kind of battling on the last day to make the playoffs. How rewarding is it for you to be part of a Flyers team now that seems to have a real shot? To be honest with you, I think this is the strongest team I've, I've been on since I uh, I got over here. And I think we, as I said, we improved uh, over the course of last season and put us in a real good spot. Uh, towards the end, obviously that four months break didn't help, but I was surprised how good of a shape the boys are when they came in for this camp and the pace has been really, really good the last three days. I was a little bit surprised. So it's been a really good feeling and I think the boys are ready to go. Hey, Michael, you just talked about how, how strong uh, this team is and in, in the strongest since you've been here. I, I guess my question is uh, how strong is the bond in the locker room right now? Because, I mean, you know, that is such a critical part of what makes a team successful. Where is this team at and how do you view it and compare it to, you know, your entire NHL career? Um, the core of the group has been pretty much the same here. So we, 
we've all been really close friends over the the course of the last few seasons and we had a we had some uh pretty really good hockey players coming in last year helping us out so as i said this team is is really good off the ice and even stronger on the ice we have a a great bond so i'm not even nervous about going into a bubble two months with these guys should be a good time hey raf um you probably have never played without fans uh, i'm just wondering how do you how do you motivate yourself without fans in the building honestly i've never tried it either so it's going to be interesting but i don't think it should be any motivational problem um you're playing for the stanley cup and it's the playoffs, so I think we'll find something to get going for sure. When you talk about the Flyers and a team that can make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you have to look at players like Michael Raffle, depth guys that do little things right, that kill penalties in key situations, good defensively, can chip in the goal uh, the uh, goal here or there to make a difference and give you a scoring threat in your bottom six as well. Michael Raffle going to be a big part of this for the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, guys like Nate Thompson, uh, Derek Grant, who Chuck Fletcher acquired at the trade deadline. Guys like Scott Lawton, who are going to mean a ton. Michael Raffle and that group of players as well uh, going to mean a lot to this team in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, when they begin coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks now, just over two weeks until the first game coming up on August 2nd when the Flyers will take on the Boston Bruins. But right now we bring in Bill Meltzer. You read his stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. You also read his stuff on NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and he joins us right now. Bill, how you doing? Oh, it feels great. You know, uh, I was actually just saying before we started this call, it's real, it feels really nice to be back in the routine of covering practices again, counting down to games. Uh, you know, it feels a little strange for it to be in July, but, you know, hockey's back and, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a great time. And then lots of lots of uh, good news around the Flyers this week, too. So good stuff. Yeah, let's start out there. As a matter of fact, it came out uh, yesterday uh, as they start to announce the NHL awards finalists, uh, the three finalists for the Masterson Trophy. And it's uh, Ottawa Senators for Bobby Ryan, who, of course, has a connection to the area, Bill. Uh, Dallas Stars defenseman Stephen Johns and the Philadelphia Flyers' own Oscar Lindblom, uh, named a finalist for the Masterton Trophy. Uh, three very worthy candidates. And uh, I, I hate to see almost a winner and a loser in this category. They're not any losers in this in this category, is there? No, absolutely not. I mean, anybody who's nominated for the Master, and even you know, even on the team level, you know, all, all 31 team reps, you know, they're they're all deserving. I mean, I I think that it's it's great to have an award that that. Uh, you know, honors people that show perseverance and, and dedication to the sport, um, you know, which everybody who, you know, everybody whose dream is to make a living in it, you know, ha- has those qualities. But there are, there are some individuals who show it to, you know, who show it to extraordinary levels. And uh, obviously in Oscar's case, you know, it was the support of family and friends and teammates in the hockey world, but also also Oscar's inner drive and determination to, to play hockey again and play hockey here again. You know, as, as soon as possible, that was a, a big motivator and attitude is such an important part of fighting any illness, but cancer in particular, because there, there's some really rough and dark days along the way. And, you know, Oscar's such a positive guy. And I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, I think it's wonderful news. There, there is no losing who, no matter who, no matter who ultimately, you know, is handed the award. Um, Oscar is very worthy. And, and I was thrilled to hear that he's one of the finalists for it. Yeah, it, it, it is. You know, you look at 2020 and we can all put it in a 
in a garbage can and pitch it out. But uh, the good news has been Oscar's through his uh, treatments and, and doing well and uh, his preparations are underway. I know he also did uh, his first English uh, kind of interview about the process. What stuck out to you uh, in the piece that, uh, that just came out about Oscar? Yeah, that was that was a phenomenal article, um, you know, and, and I think that uh, just just his determination pushing through it, um, you know, and one of the things that I, I draw a lot of hope from um, is that the rib resection surgery that Oscar had, um, you know, we, uh, Chris Kreider had the same surgery, not not for due to a cancer diagnosis, but because of a, uh, a blood clotting issue in his lungs, uh, rather rather in that was in the rib cage. And they were afraid it was going to back up into his lungs. So he had to have a similar procedure. And Chris, Chris Kreider's come back and he's been, you know, really didn't skip a beat. He's been a, a very good player for the Rangers since he's come back. He, you know, none, really none the worse for the wear. Um, and, you know, now that Oscar is diagnosed to where uh, the cancer is undetectable and building up strength to work to get back on the ice, I think the prognosis is really good that, you know, uh, it may, may take a little bit of time to get to get back to where he was at before. But I, I think the chances of him doing so are, are very good. So it's, you know, the, the news couldn't be better on, on any front right now for Oscar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, a very well-written piece. And um, it, it's great to see uh, the, the, the progress that he's made in, in such a short period of time. And we just can't wait to see him back out there on the ice for training camp uh, after the conclusion of this season. Uh, at some point, uh, maybe in, in mid-November, according to uh, the, the NHL critical dates calendar. Uh, it is awards week uh, in the NHL as they announce these finalists, and uh, we'll get a couple more of these uh, announcements over the next couple of days, Bill. Uh, we're expecting to see Sean Couturier on that Selkie ballot, aren't we, as a finalist? I would, I would yeah, I'd be very surprised if, if uh, Couturier is not at least on, on the finalist list, especially after being the top runner-up, you know, two seasons ago. I think you know, I think Sean has a very good chance of winning the award this year, but you never know how the voters are, are going to vote. But I, th- I think being, you know, finalist two out of three years and really could have been last year as well. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, that that just goes to show that he's one of the elite two-way players in the game. And I mean, Flyers fans don't, uh, you know, they don't, they don't they don't need any arguments in his favor. They already know that uh, in terms of his completeness as a player. And just his situational use, his dominance on face-offs, how strong he is on the puck, just just right on down the line. You know, uh, Couturier has become really a top, top player in the NHL. Yeah, and uh, respected by his peers as well. Um, Bill, a couple of days, uh, well, three days of camp uh, are, are under the Flyers' belt. They had the Group A, Group B each day on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday was uh, a day with no on-ice scheduled. Uh, you saw Elaine Vigneault uh, push them a little harder on Wednesday, probably as a result of that day off the ice. But in the first three days with the two groups, what are some things that kind of stuck out to you? I mean, I saw, in my opinion, I saw really good pace on the ice. And uh, you and I talked about it at the rink the other day and just the guys really moving well and look crisp. Um, we're not, we don't have a side-by-side comparison of what it looked like, you know, two days before the pause uh, to compare it to uh, in essence. But to me, things look like they're going very well at Flyers camp. Yeah. I think the conditioning is coming back. I think a little faster than I expected. Players did a really good job of being physically ready for camp. Um, you know, there were, there were definitely guys, some guys bent over their sticks on the, on the first day of camp. Then the second day, they had a little more stamina. And on day three, the pace was, was you know, much quicker. And, uh, you know, they kept up and they, they did really well. They, the passing has gotten better each day. You know, the, uh, the goalies, for the most part, have been, been pretty good. Uh, you and I talked the other day that, you know, Carter did, may not have had his best day of practice on 
uh, on Wednesday, but that's, you know, that's normal. You're going to have, you're going to have made your very best every day. I thought he finished strong at least during a session. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, Carter's the least of the flyers concerns. I mean, I think that Brian Elliott, I thought it might take Brian a little longer than it would take mm-hmm. Carter. And, and I think, uh, I think Els has been tremendous all three days so far. So, you know, uh, the other, other good signs, of course, that are so far so good in terms of you have a healthy, healthy roster. They've been able to address nine forwards, you know, six D and both goalies and every group so far. And now, you know, and then, now we'll see tomorrow as, uh, you know, they make a, a few uh, lineup or line change uh, uh, experiments, I guess you would call it, um, you know, and then uh, they'll, they'll combine the two groups tomorrow after each group puts in a half hour on the uh, simultaneously on the two ice surfaces. So that'll be a little bit of a different look. And then um, on Saturday, they have scrimmages. So there's a little bit of competitiveness. Um, and the, at this, this point of the camp is where we start to see the systems refresher start to come back in. Uh, four checking drills, the, the breakout under, under some pressure. Uh, you'll see special teams work, you know, and you'll see a little bit more, uh, you know, one-on-one competitiveness with the players, just uh, making sure the guys go the right spots, make the right reads, all, all the things as you're getting ready. It's going to be in a, a shorter period of time than you would have in a typical camp. So, you know, there's not going to be as much room for repetition. So they got to kind of get everything in that they can before they head to Toronto and, uh, you know, go from there. But I, I think through three days of camp so far, everything's you know everything seemed to be really well organized and thought out um you know there was uh, more whiteboarding sessions on the side of the you know uh, the stop practice for short periods of time as we get into tomorrow and, and onward they're going to get back to the way that uh Vino more typically conducts practices where they they have a team meeting beforehand they kind of run through everything that they're going to they're going to do that day and the purpose of each drill and then you're going to see the drills go quickly there's going to be much less standing around. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to see things taken up another notch and that's going to start tomorrow. Yeah. And, and, uh, you can see the concerted effort by the coaching staff to, uh, put these players in, in situations that are to, to close, closely simulate game like as they can, uh, early in camp. And you'll see that throughout and with the scrimmages coming up, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Saturday, the two scrimmages, um, uh, with two groups there at the, uh, practice facility um bill a couple of guys stuck out to me in particular and um one of the guys is the flyers all-star from this year travis connecting um he doesn't look like he's been off the ice for four months floating on the ice like the, his elite skating ability uh really moving well he looks like a guy that's coming back uh all things humming and, and ivan Provorov's another guy that really popped for me individually in just their skating and their movements on the ice yeah for sure i i think that uh Travis connecting in, in days two and three were particularly. Yeah. I thought day one he was still feeling his way a little bit, and then the last two days he was really good. And and the captain, I mean Claude Giroux, on day three was just shooting the lights out in that Group A session. He was, uh, you know, I, I think the he had I hear one of the prettiest goals in, in any day of practice so far. He he shot a puck over the net. I think he might have done it intentionally because he he immediately pounced on it behind the net, retrieved it, stepped out in front. Pulled the puck immediately to his backhand and, and went over Carter Hart's shoulder and no goalie was stopping that one. That was yeah. that was pretty nice. Yeah, backhand shelf uh, in tight quarters not an easy thing to do, especially with a goaltender like Carter Hart who's so positionally sound and under control and in the right spots. Um, yeah, I was a little, uh, you know, sh- I, a little, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but at, at the level and movement of the goaltenders, I was a little a little shocked in the sense that. The, the movements and the crispness of uh, the, their box control inside the crease was 
was really high. And it was something that I was a little concerned about. You and I talked about, are the goaltenders going to be behind maybe the forwards? And uh, I saw spectacular saves on day one from Carter Hart, uh, on day two from Brian Elliott with an incredible paddle save. Uh, so we've seen some highlights there, some compete saves as well, which is great. Um, Bill, uh, a couple of the, the other parts of camp and, and as they, as they ramp this up and, you know, the, the players and, and coaching staff has made itself available. And Elaine Vino is saying that in those round robin games, you're going to see more players than perhaps we would have thought. Uh, the games are important. They will improve your seating, but it's maybe more important for players to get reps, get on the ice. And uh, some of the guys that could end up in games or are maybe still a question mark if they're going to be in the lineup or not. Sure. And, I, you know, you, you can see it from that perspective where, you know, you're going to need depth. Uh, if you're going to make any kind of a playoff run and it's very hard to ask a guy who hasn't played at all other than a scrimmage situation since March to step into a Stanley Cup playoff game. So I, it's important that they, they get, you know, they, they get guys on the ice in a game situation with, you know, with some meaning to it as well. And, you know, they're, they're going to be competitive games. Um, and, but, it, but you will, you'll see, you'll see a wider array of, uh, you know, players who you'll see guys who probably won't be in the lineup in, in game one of the conference quarterfinals, you know, playing and you'll, you'll see at least one start for Brian Elliott along the way. So I would think that in the uh, exhibition game, it'd be almost like a preseason where goalies switch midway through the second period. And then I think you'll see probably Brian Elliott get one start among the three in the round robin and Carter Hart get the other two. Yeah. And no, maybe I'm not sure which team, uh, Elliot has fared the best against. Maybe there's a little bit of a matchup situation there uh, to put himself in, in a position to come out feeling very confident. Speaking of that, Bill, um, I, I thought it was interesting kind of looking at that schedule that comes out of the Flyers round robin games. The first one, of course, will be coming up on August 2nd uh, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon against the Boston Bruins, the team they played last before the pause. Uh, but the other thing is, is their last game of the round robin is the last game of the round robin. Uh, they may be in a position known exactly, depending on what they do, A, who they could face, depending on a win or a loss, and also if they can or cannot move up in the standings based on what happens in that final game. It's a tremendous advantage for a team that's got a ton of advantage already that can't move down as the four seed and can only move up. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a big benefit. And I think that you know if the Flyers are in a situation there where they're locked in already, then I think you'll see a lot of lineup changes just to get just to get guys in. You, know, you might see, uh, you know, you might see Matt Niskanen just get a get a rest that day, for example. You know, because uh, he, he's going to be relied on to play a lot of minutes. And I mean, one of the things I, I think it was Justin Braun said, like, yes, there's the you know, yes, players are well rested, but you gotta you know you gotta get back in that that rhythm again, and that's uh, that's going to take those guys a little bit of time. And I think that having in in that particular case where there's another. Fairly quick turnaround. Two two days later will be the first game of the Eastern Conference um, quarterfinals. That that might be a game if, if you're already locked in that you might see, you know, some of the some of the veterans get a rest for that game to get ready for the start of the playoffs. Bill, one of the other things that was announced was the Flyers uh, exhibition game. It'll be on the 28th, and how ironic! It'll be against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are going to have to battle their way in a best of five series against Montreal. Uh, the Flyers avoid that best-of-five play-in round, but uh, they'll get the Penguins in that exhibition game. And you only get one exhibition game, so you got to make it count. As you alluded to, they'll probably split the in that game. The result doesn't matter, but the process in that game, it does matter. Oh, absolutely. You want to you go in and play the right way. It's your only chance in a game situation 
to work on special teams, you know, and that's something that of course can, can win you or lose you a game. You know, you want to, uh, you, you want to get, want to make sure all your systems are in sync. All, I mean, all, all the things that you would look to when you're heading into a, a season opener, you're, you're looking for, you know, for, for this, except the stakes are even higher because if you, you know, obviously you'll want to fall behind in, in a playoff series as opposed to having 82 games. So I do think that that, that, uh, exhibition game is one where you want to come out on the right foot and you know and then go into the uh go into the round robin games and and continue just to build from there it's almost it's almost like an extended preseason where there's a potential benefit to it for the for the flyers i think that's how they have to look at it yeah absolutely it's an, and it's a good opportunity to to get pace and, and those kind of things the penguins will be looking to do the same thing because they will be playing for their playoff lives when they take on uh the montreal canadians in that uh, opening round and uh, the specter of Carey Price in that other crease. And thinking about this best of five more and more lately, um, kind of going through my head going, and if you're one of those teams like the Penguins who just missed out on being a top four team and where they really played poorly down the stretch, um, what turned out to be the stretch of the regular season, and they have to now battle their way in, you lose game one. All the, all the pressure in the world goes to the Penguins in that situation. And then, you got to beat a team three out of four. And I don't care who the opponent is in the NHL. It's hard to beat any opponent three out of four games, especially when you've got that pressure coupled with it. Sure. And, and, and you know, the, there could be one game along, along the way. They say they drop game one and they, they could outplay, you know, Montreal and all of a sudden uh, carry price steals a game, you know, and they, you're down, you're down, you know, you're down to your last strike there. So game, game one of those series is uh, definitely, Definitely a, a nerve-wracking, I think, for any team that's favored there, be, just because the, the shorter format, to me, always kind of benefits the underdog team anyway. Yeah. it's uh, So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I fully expect to, to see, you know, some higher-seeded teams knocked off in that first round. We saw, yeah, we saw it a year ago. We've said this in, in previous uh, editions of the show where, uh, you know, so many top seeds got knocked off a year ago. Uh, in best of sevens, no less. So, yeah, I, I would be, I'd be more surprised than not if, uh, or, or more unsurprised than not, rather, if there aren't at least a couple of upsets along the way. And, you know, the other thing too is that with, with after four months off, you know, it's really hard to just look at the on paper matchups and season series and all the things you look at before a series. It's gonna, it's gonna take the teams with the best goaltending, the best coaching, and the best leadership, you know, to. Uh, to pull to pull through those early rounds, and then then it becomes more of a, a typical, you know, typical playoff year, I think. And Bill, that leads me exactly to where I want to go next because it was announced the other day that uh, Elaine Vigneault was named a finalist for the Jack Adams Award, uh, initially given to Fred Shiro back in 1974 as the inaugural winner. Uh, Elaine Vigneault now has been nominated for the Jack Adams, not one, not two, not three, not four, but now five. Times. I feel like I'm doing LeBron's uh, The Decision here uh, with Jim Gray. Uh, but he gets his fifth nomination. He won it back in 06-07 with the uh, Vancouver Canucks. He's had success everywhere he's been. And his media availabilities this week, and uh, you and I are both uh, privy to, to being on those, and we've been bringing them to everybody here on Flyers Daily as well. He is relaxed. He is resolute. Um, he has a plan. And his confidence and his demeanor to me, instills that in his, in his players as well. And he's certainly a deserving nominee of the Jack Adams to at least be a finalist and, and perhaps even win it. Oh, absolutely no question. You know, it's uh, it, this was a year where you 
could have made a case, I think, for as many as five coaches. Uh, you know, I think Craig Berube, for example, did a great job in St. Louis where you have totally agree. You, you win a cup and the hardest thing to do is repeat. And they pretty much led wire to wire in the Western Conference. So, you know, to just just to be one of the finalists is, is a huge honor. Um, no other coach in NHL history, as you, as you said, has been a Jack Adams finalist five times. He's done it with four different teams. I mean, I think that testifies to that he's an elite coach in the NHL. And, you know, we've seen we've seen it at, at, over the course of this camp too. everything. Everything is laid out with a purpose. Everything is laid out, you know, in, in a sequential um, kind of building fashion game, you know, day after day practice after practice. And, you know, he, he's so well organized that uh, on day one, that the, the water break intervals in, in the A and B were the exact same time on the hour. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, you know, that just, just goes to show how, how well organized he is. And that's, uh, that, that bodes really well. And, and he has the right personality, I think too, for, for coaching this team and coaching in the city, you know, he, he likes to have fun. He's not afraid of pressure, but he, he also pushes too. He's not, you know, he's, he, he's a guy who's very demanding on his players. If they don't deliver to that level, he will say so very directly. And then he said, but otherwise, you know, it's never anything personal. It's, it's all performance and players are, are buying in. So, uh, you know, I think that he, he deserved the honor that he's gotten. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it gives, gives you a lot of confidence knowing that going into a series, the Flyers will have the right guys on the ice at the right time, the right strategy. And it's, then it's up to the players to do the rest. And I've heard so many players uh, and talking to them here on Flyers Daily through the pause mention the way he conducts it and runs the bench. Um, and when you hear that from players, that that sticks out to me. You know, uh, a lot of times players, you know, they, they all want more ice time. Right. <laughs> you know, but but he knows when a guy is really going when he needs to get him out there more or maybe when he's fighting it a bit that to, to kind of maybe shelter him in a bit to not have that affect his confidence. And you know what, Bill, he, he's a really unique situation in coaching professional coaching here in the year 2020 because he's got a mix of two things he's got a mix of being able to uh, be a player's coach to know when you know not to coddle a player but to encourage a player and show the player lead the player and he's also got a little bit of old school kind of coach in him of accountability and preach accountability and that's a rare mix for a coach usually it's kind of one or the other and a lot of times teams kind of stagger that well, we had the hard-ass coach. Now we got to go to a player's coach. Go from the player's coach to the, the, you know, and you go back and forth. He's a mix of both. And he wasn't always that way. And talking to Jeremy Roenick, he said he was like Mike Keenan when he had him with the Hall Olympique in the Quebec Major Junior League when he played his junior career there. Uh, so yeah. he's evolved. Yeah, absolutely. Simone Gagne said the same thing. Yeah. That he, he was, a, you know, a very demanding coach. You didn't, you didn't see the, the fun-loving side so much that, that you know, he, he lets come out nowadays. And he evolved, he evolved with the times and, you know, evolved with the style of play too. You know, the, the Montreal team that he was first a, uh, a uh, Jack Adams finalist with, if you look, you know, their systems are pretty different actually from the, from what he had in Vancouver and the Rangers and here in Philadelphia. So he's, you know, he, he's adapted with the game as he's had to. And one of his biggest strengths of the co- as a coach, and you alluded to it, is that he is one of the best coaches I've seen in a long time at making in-game adjustments. Yep. You said he knows who's going well, who, who's fighting a little bit. And it's, you know, if, if he sits a guy because he's not performing that night, it's not to the back of the doghouse either. As long as he, you know, doesn't sulk and he comes out and practices well, you know, and, and he's built up a little bit of credit with the coach, then he'll be right back out there next game. I mean, you know, like look at Joel Farabee, a rookie this year. 
there were some times when Farabee would be, you know, they'd sit him in the third period or whatever. Next game out, he'd be right back out there again. And I, and I think the players respect that. Yeah, and it, and the same level of accountability for all players. Players absolutely respect that element of it. Uh, Bill, one of the things that we found out in uh, media availability this week after one of the practices was that Shane Gosses Bear had worked on on his left knee. Um, he's been uh, battling these knee issues uh, this season, certainly with a couple of surgeries. Where does that leave him at this point uh, in preparation for the the round robin game? And, and what's to come with the playoffs and, and kind of where he could fall in this lineup or possibly out of this lineup. Yeah, the, the left knee was in January, and then seven weeks ago he had to have the, the right knee done. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's been a tough year for Ghost. I don't think there's you know too much doubt about that. He'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, his confidence was down at times. He wasn't playing his best. Physically, he wasn't feeling right. And, I mean, if you look at what the lineup looked like, you know, even after he came back from the knee injury in January, you know, uh, he was he was the number seven defenseman. You know, uh, Robert Haig was playing every game but one after that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if the playoffs started tomorrow, especially with, with Ghost working to get back, I think he would be the number seven guy. And, uh, you know, it would be, be up to him if and when he gets that opportunity, you know, to to deliver. But I think I think right now he's uh, he's looking – up a spot in the uh, you know in the depth chart, and he's got to got to fight his way back into that spot where he's back in the starting six. Yeah, and really the key for him too is going to be prepare like you're playing, because at the drop of a dime you could be in this situation, um, and when you get in there you can make a difference. And he's obviously a player that's got dramatic. I always call his abilities dramatic. He's got a flair for the dramatic, right, uh, on the ice. So. I always look at it that way. Um, one of the other um, surprises, Bill, and I want to get your take on this. Um, early in the week when we found out the training camp roster, we noticed there was a, uh, a name that was not on it, and that was Nolan Patrick. Um, uh, I didn't expect his name to be there because um, I think it would have been a real difficult situation for a guy who hasn't now played hockey in, oh boy, I guess 14 months, um, maybe even more than that, 15 months, uh, and gone, having gone through everything he's gone through this year. Uh, but Nolan Patrick not on this roster, and I guess uh, you know we got to look ahead to to next training camp for the next opportunity to see uh, a number nineteen. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, and I agree with you. I was not expecting to see Nolan's name um, on the postseason roster. Um, he did get into some practices with the team, the main practice group, towards the latter part of the regular season. But even then, he was skating as the eighth defenseman, just passing the puck around. He wasn't. He wasn't in any, you know, heavy duty contact practices, battle drills, those kind of things, you know, that as a player's ramping up to playing. And it just, it, it would be really unfair to him. The last time he played was uh, the third to last game from the regular season a season ago. Um, didn't play so that's late weeks. March over a year ago. Late March over a year ago. So that, that, that wouldn't be fair to him, um, you know, if, if he... Hopefully is, and that's what he reports, that he's feeling the best that he has in over a calendar year. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that continues, and he, he builds back up to being, you know, ready for camp and ready to go. And hopefully, you know, the medication regimen and the other the other aspects as well uh, of his treatment plan, I mean, hopefully that, that works for him and he's able to be in the lineup. You know, I, I think sometimes people do jump to a conclusion. Uh, you know, the guy sits out a year, whatever, oh, he's not coming back this or that. I mean, I remember when there was real concern that Sidney Crosby would never play again after he, he played something like 22 games or something that over a two calendar year period, because he had the post concussion issues and they were yeah. recurrent. 
And thankfully, since then, you know, he, he hasn't. He's been he's been fine. So hopefully, you know, different situation. One is a, you know, a migraine disorder that's genetic. And the other was the other was post concussion, which is, you know, in many cases been career ending. But but I think that it's it's premature, certainly to to write Nolan off. Um, hopefully he has a, you know, a, a good rest of the summer and gets ready for next season. And, you know, he was, uh, you know, players, players all develop at their own pace. I mean, we saw that, we saw that with Sean Couturier, right? Yeah. It's yep. it a a few years to really start to come into his own on the offensive side of the puck. So, you know, I, I think it's, again, I think it's too early to, to write Nolan off, but, uh, I wasn't expecting him to be part of the postseason. Then hopefully that'll be a different case, you know, come next season. Uh, last thing for you, Bill. Uh, Chuck Fletcher once again, uh, leaving no stone unturned, signs Mark Friedman to a two-year extension, AAV of seven hundred and fifty thousand. I had talked to Freed's uh, earlier in the pause, and and he had mentioned, you know, the fact that his pending uh, free agent status was something that was was on his mind, and it was a worry because of the economics of uh, not only our world, but the, the game of hockey and everything else. And kind of, you know, having played seven total NHL games, six this season, uh, he wasn't sure kind of how that would play out for him uh, uh, as an NHLer. Uh, to get that extension, I talked to him the other day on, a, on an episode of Flyers Daily. He was ecstatic. Um, he came in in the six games this year. He looked really comfortable to me. Never looked overwhelmed. Didn't try to be something he wasn't. Uh, those six games certainly probably went into Chuck Fletcher's thinking about the, the player and how he performed in those six games at the NHL level, knowing a little bit more maybe what he has in him. Absolutely. And, and I think the year-to-year progression has been, mm-hmm. you know, something, an encouraging sign, too. Uh, you know, uh, Mark had a very tough rookie year in the American League. He'd been an offensive-minded defenseman at Bowling Green. He will, came to the AHL, I think, kind of figuring he's gonna, that's going to be his role, and it didn't really work out for him that first year. It, it took a lot of, you know... <laughs> Took a lot of self-evaluation, and he was significantly better his second year. And then this year, he had a lot of consistency. I mean, he was he was a real bright spot in a, a tough year for the Phantoms. Came up to the NHL, and he I thought he I thought he held his own quite well. You know, on, on the third. Yeah, third I was first. really impressed. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I mean that that's something too where you know I know his underlying numbers didn't look good, but that's a case where I think if you actually watched how he played. I think that he, I think he handled what was asked from, asked from just fine. And I, and, you know, I think the team is comfortable uh, if he's in the, in the top seven group. I mean, certainly comfortable enough that they gave him a one-way contract. So that means if he's, you know, yeah. if he were to be waived and clear waivers and go back to the American Hockey League, you know, he'd be making over $700,000 in the American League. So that, that speaks to the fact that they think he's the guy who has a shot at sticking with the big club next season, depending on how, you know, roster spots open up and get moved around and how the dollars and cents look, you know, elsewhere in the lineup. Certainly for a certainly for a number seven def- defenseman, the depth guy, that's a you know, that's a that's a nice team friendly salary. But also but it's also fair to uh, to Mark as well, because he has the security of a two year deal and the, the backup plan of, you know, he'd make he'd make a very good AHL salary if he were to get sent down. So I think I think for both sides that it works out. And I think he is a guy, again, who I think you could see in that top seven on the uh, depth charts depending on how things work out between now and then yeah and to me it's a really savvy move by the general manager knowing he's got a flat cap and he's gonna to have to make decisions uh like like a lot of general managers around the league you're gonna to have to get productivity and availability from players that aren't making a lot of money and he's a guy that fits that bill 
for Chuck Fletcher. So I think it was a really savvy move by the GM uh, to get ahead of the curve and take care of that business now like he did. And, um, and we'll see how that plays out for, for Mark and the team going forward. Uh, you got, you know, Justin Braun is a guy that you look at and, you know, there's other decisions that will have to be made uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers in regards to the cap with a flat cap at 81 and a half. Uh, according to the new return to play protocol and collective bargaining agreement. Bill, this was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I'll see you at camp. It's great to see the boys back on the ice, and uh, uh, we're, we're working our way to hockey, man. All right, man. Take care. Yeah. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us. It's great to see all the uh, familiar faces uh, covering the Flyers back at training camp as it continues, and it'll continue through next week before traveling to the Hub City on the 26th and the Flyers' first preseason game coming up against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the only exhibi- exhibition game, rather, uh, on the 28th of this month. Hockey is getting closer and closer just 11 days from now. There'll be an exhibition game, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are just around the corner. You know what we're counting down to at this time. In the meantime, that's another episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back Monday with an all-new episode. Total camp coverage for you once again as well. And Flyers Daily is brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Give them a follow on Twitter at PennMedicine.com. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily.